It's just more of how I am. I have to close a chapter to open something else up. So I knew I had to close the chapter with bedside nursing to do an unconventional nursing role. What's it like going from career PICU nurse to successful freelance nurse writer? Let's talk all about it with Alexa Davidson of the Articulate RN right here on episode 365 of the Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith, of course, and this podcast is about you, your personal professional development, your nursing career, and the healthcare system writ large. And I'm here to share education, ideas, frequent diatribes, and even more frequently, informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people around, just like today's guest. I love having you along for the ride, and I thank you for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And if you find value in this show, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith. You know, we are actually over 400 episodes because of all the bonus episodes I've done over the years. And that incurs a lot of costs. So if you want to pony up two bucks a month or so to support me, that would be great. It really helps produce the show. And that's at patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith. And you can also support me in the show by referring yourself, your neighbor, like I've said, your gerbil, your dog, your cat for holistic career coaching. And if you mention the Nurse Keith show, you can get 10% off your first coaching package. The show notes for this episode will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 365, where you can learn all about the Articulate RN, and Alexa Davidson. So Alexa, my friend, it is so cool to have you here. You are, you're just one of these really amazing nurses doing great things out there in the world. And one of the first things I want to ask you is what is it like just to have made this transition from pick you nurse to writer? Like what's, what's the zeitgeist of your life now that it's completely changed. Hi, thank you for that introduction. Yeah, it has been a huge change going from clinical nurse to working from home, which has been a very exciting career transition for me. And it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Yeah. And wanting to do it and then actually doing it are two different things. Like I talk to a lot of nurses, maybe you do too, who they want to make a change. Like they're burnt or they're they're tired or they're just kind of bored or maybe they like just they really need something radical and you and I have both made this transition me a bunch of years ago and you just recently and you know actually making it happen is it for you would you define it as was it scary was it exciting was it kind of a mixture of like many many different emotions it's scary for sure. Mm-hmm. I told somebody, I was talking to another nurse yesterday and I described it as quitting nursing cold turkey, which a lot of people want to know, you know, like, how do I become a nurse writer? Should I, what do I, what are the steps I need to take? And I would not recommend doing what I did, which was leaving the bedside and then just quitting and then figuring out what I was going to do, but that was because I was moving across country. So it was, it was for the move. I knew that I was not going to take my nurse job with me from California back to South Carolina. So I put myself in a position where I had to figure it out. So if you're not somebody who 
does well with that type of change, then don't quit cold turkey. <laughs> but it's just what I did because that was just the path that I was on. Now, would you not necessarily have done it that way if you hadn't been moving across country anyway with your husband? I don't know. If I was not moving, I probably would have just stayed in the same position for a lot longer and just gotten complacent. And so I think I needed that big change to force me into a career change, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Well, you just mentioned a word. You just said the word complacent. So we're, well, let me take a step back. You were a travel nurse for a long time, right? And you kind of, part of your story is working your way from the Atlantic to the Pacific, right? And then you stayed in California for a while with your husband, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when when we become complacent, what does it look like? I mentioned earlier boredom and burnout, but is it is it more than that? Is that a simplistic way of looking at it? Just saying boredom and burnout? Is there are there layers to complacency from your point of view? I think for me, I it's probably a mix of complacency and burnout, but what it looked like for me as far as burnout was feeling apathetic. Mm. Like not necessarily hating work, but just kind of losing that spark of, you know, I'm not really excited about all this high acuity stuff anymore that used to be so cool in the ICU. You know, you just look forward to getting all those procedures and really sick kids. But for me, I could see myself like, you're not really that interested in this anymore. You know, you're still giving good care to patients. You're still connecting with families, but I don't know. I just didn't, I did not have that same joy that I had several years before that. So that was something I started to notice in myself and was able to identify that as burnout. And there was probably some level of complacency in there too, just saying, you know, I'm not going to take all these advanced competency courses that are optional. And it's just not something I'm excited about doing. Just wasn't lighting you up anymore. Right. And yeah. you were doing neonatal and pediatric cardiac intensive care, right? That's sort of the preponderance of your clinical work this last decade, right? Yeah. Pete's cardiac, PICU, and NICU. I ended up on staff at a place where I had been a traveler in the float pool for Pete's critical care. Mm-hmm. So you show up that day, they put you in whichever Pete's ICU needs you the most. And so... It's cool because in, on one hand, you know that you could walk into that children's hospital and take care of truly any patient in that hospital for the shift. But then on the other hand, you don't have that level of control of knowing where you're going. Sometimes if you work three shifts in a row, you don't go to the same unit for all three shifts. So you might have a patient that you really liked taking care of, or you felt like you figured them out and you're back the next day and you're in another unit. And I mean, on my last shift in that hospital, I got Uh floated to a step-down unit where I knew no nurses and it was the biggest bummer of a last shift, but that's just the nature of being in the float pool. Yeah. You don't really have that control. Yeah. And we mentioned a few minutes ago, working your way across the country and then 
going back from the Pacific, from California to South Carolina, where you live with your husband now, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In California, did you feel like you'd, you'd put down roots because you'd been a traveler for a while? Were you feeling comfortable? And, you know, was it hard to make that decision to then go back across the country again? Or how, how was that for you having been a traveler for so long and then kind of like being in one place, you know, what was that? Where, was it very mixed for you? It was, and I'm a homebody. Mm-hmm. And so I'm probably the last person that you would have expected to really be a traveler in the first place. Cause mm-hmm. I kind of like complacency. I like yeah. my comfort of my home and my things that are normal, but for whatever reason, I've just always been in these situations where I'm, you know, doing something that's way out of my comfort zone. So I enjoyed being a traveler, but I really liked the city in the hospital in San Francisco. And we did put roots down there and just started making friends outside of work and doing all the things you do when you live in a big city like that. And it, I got to the point where, you know, between the hospital management and just me personally saying you have to like make a decision or get off the pot. It was either you stop being a traveler and you go on staff here, or you go move back to wherever you want to go now. So that was when I decided to stay on staff at the hospital where I had been a traveler and continue putting some roots down. And, you know, we loved it. We just made the most of living out there, but it's just such an expensive place that mm-hmm. in the back of our minds, we knew we we're never going to be able to buy a home in San Francisco. So that was really our big reason for moving back to the East coast. And yeah. clearly, you know, we have all of our family here, so we wanted to be present in their lives and it made the most sense for us to come back, but just mm-hmm. not as soon as we had initially thought we would come back. Yeah. Yeah, I I understand. And and we'd be doing a disservice to the story by not just mentioning at least like the pandemic, right? So we're mm-hmm. we're two years in, we're recording this mid-March, right? And how did the pandemic figure into all of this for you to like think, you know, I want to be a writer, I want to make this transition, I you know, I've done this, I've done my 10 years, you know, I've seen it, I've been across the country, you know, did the pandemic quicken this process for you in some ways? Did it, did it germinate seeds more quickly than, than maybe would have happened if we didn't have a public health emergency around the world? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think the pandemic, yeah, it was May or March when everything really started and I finished my master's degree in May. So my goal was finish a master's and move back to the East coast. I had spreadsheets, you know, that I shared with my husband, East coast, 2020, we are going back home. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic happened and that kept me on my timeline that I wanted to be on because it forced all the clubs to shut down and all the things that we were doing in San Francisco, we could not do anymore. So it made us, it made the decision easier to move back. But from a nursing standpoint, my plan was, okay, I'll finish my master's, stay per diem and just work, you know, however much longer until we move. But 
I just, it gave me so much anxiety, the pandemic, Mm. just, we were not, we were very fortunate. We were not a hospital who ran out of PPE. I barely had to reuse a mask. Um, we never got that big surge that we kept expecting. However, you just feel that feeling of dread. Like, when is it going to be our turn? When are Mm -hmm. we going to be that hospital that is just taking overflow patients from everywhere else? And even before that, you know, it's an outbreak of a respiratory virus. Of course, we all think this is going to hit the children's hospitals Yeah, because everything hits, you know, we had outbreaks of so many things over the years that I've been a part of, but that was a huge blessing that it did not affect kids like it did with adults. So I can't complain, you know, the way I didn't have the same level of absolute trauma as most nurses have during Mm -hmm. the pandemic, but for 2020, it was just, I I had a lot of dread and just a lot of days where I did not want to go to work the next day. And just outside of work, just what was happening all around the world when you went to the store and you went to the bank and you talked to your family and your friends. And, you know, I mean, it, it was just, it was, it was a moment that we all were living through and it's been a long, long moment. Right. Um, and during this time was like, was the neon sign about becoming a writer, getting brighter and brighter all the time? Like, was it just like flashing in your mind, like constantly at that point? I didn't have my sights on being a writer. I, it took me a lot of trial and error to figure out that that's what I wanted, but mm-hmm. I wanted to work from home. Yeah. And I wanted to do something that used my creativity and just allowed me to have a little bit level of professional, a, a more of a professional role as a nurse. And I didn't know that nurse writer existed until this time last year. Mm-hmm. So throughout the pandemic, I just was following that nagging feeling of there's something more for me, but right now I need to just get myself prepared, like finish the master's degree, get some things on my resume that help me look a little more professional. I say during the pandemic, but I mean during 2020, because that was me preparing to move back to the East coast. And Mm -hmm. I knew I was not going to go back to the bedside in South Carolina, having come from California. Yeah. That was just a given. So yeah, 2020, I spent all of that time getting myself kind of prepared and really looking at what, what do I look like on paper? But Mm -hmm. then when we moved back, having cut nursing cold Turkey, I tried a couple other jobs that just I tried to force and they were not a fit for me. And that was when I started talking to you about how do I put all these pieces of the puzzle together? And around that time I had seen in a thread, somebody talking about their career as a nurse writer. And that's when it clicked for me that that is 100% what interested me and made Mm -hmm. me feel excited to learn more about and then eventually do. And you mentioned the desire to express your creativity in your career, which I totally relate to as a writer myself and a podcaster, right? That's part of how I express my creativity and as a speaker to some extent too, because I can have fun doing that. Um, So you have climbing the clinical ladder, which a lot of nurses do not to cast aspersions on that. For some people, that's like, that's their gold, right? Like that's, that's the 
path they're traveling and we need people to do that stuff, right? It's awesome. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of incredible nurse experts out there and more being created all the time as they advance their skills and their knowledge and their expertise. But for you, you did your decade, but there was something about it that there was a part of you that wasn't getting expressed. And did you think at first, like many of us do, like I did like for quite a few years, actually, of just like having a side hustle, like, yeah, I'll write on the side, I'll make an extra thousand dollars a month and I'll keep putting in a couple shifts of a week or whatever. I'll work per diem at least. Did you consider that option or was the cold turkey like once you came back to the East Coast, tried out a couple things, it wasn't a fit. You were like, no, side hustle. No, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like I'm gonna really go for it. I wish I was the type of person that could do a side hustle, but mm-hmm. I'm just I would not it would not have worked for me when I was at the bedside because I'm either doing one thing or I'm doing something else. Mm -hmm. I've never been the type of person that can just multitask and take on a million projects and in that that context. So no, I wish I was the side hustle kind of gal, but I, it took me, it's just more of how I am. I have to close a chapter to open something else up. So I knew I had to close the chapter with bedside nursing to do an unconventional nursing role if that makes sense. It does. And someone out there might be thinking, you know, I'm interested in doing that too and following in Alexis' footsteps. But I I wonder, you know, I'm wondering, will Alexa ever go back to bedside or will she ever work clinically again? Or is she is she going to let it go? And will that be the end for her? You know? It's to be determined. <laughs> TBD. I miss okay. I miss bedside. I do. Yeah. But yeah, there are just a lot of things with hospital culture that just need to change. And mm-hmm. nurses that are in the at the bedside now are going through all those growing pains and mm-hmm. things that just absolutely have to change. And I'm at the moment, I'm just not here for it. I need to focus on what makes me happy and is going to bring me fulfillment in my own career. So unfortunately right now that's not on my radar but i just say that about the side hustle thing because i don't want people to feel like you have to just wear every hat because there are nurses who have other jobs and they're clinical instructors and they're raising a family and they can do all of that but if you don't feel like you can then don't yeah 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 work my three shifts go get a pedicure and just watch bravo for the rest of my week (laughs) off that was just what worked for me. Don't yeah. burn yourself out even more than your hospital already is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Bravo. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you made this, this radical shift, we could say. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk about failure. And I want to talk about some of the things that you started out writing about when you were just sort of putting out think pieces and just laying it out there, just like writing and just seeing what came out and what, you know, what your days look like. Cause people listening who are interested in this kind of work style and lifestyle might be thinking, you know, what is it really like? You know, what's it like to be at home and 
keep your pajamas on and make some coffee and sit and write in the garden, you know, like what's that like? So when we come back from the break, I want to dig into that and then I'll have some other questions for you. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. So hang in there with us and we'll be right back for the second half of episode 365 of the Nurse Keith Show. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. So you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. Remember the show notes where you can learn all about Alexa Davidson and the Articulate RN will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 365. And we're here again with my friend and friend of the pod, Alexa Davidson. And Alexa, prior to the break, we were talking about Hmm. Well, a lot of things, but we were talking about multitasking and doing lots of things at the same time, wearing a lot of hats or whether you don't wear a lot of hats. And, you know, even as a writer, you, you do wear a lot of hats and do a lot of things at the same time, but it's, it's a different animal. Like it's one thing to put on your scrubs, get your sneakers, get all your stuff, pack your dinner, go to the shift, like do your work and come home and then like take a shower and then sit down and write an article. Like that's, those are the multiple hats that are hard to wear sometimes. And I don't work clinically either. Um, Well, I do COVID clinics and stuff, but that's nothing like going into a NICU. So that that's a certain type of wearing many hats and multitasking. But when you're writing articles and working for, let's say, multiple agencies like you and I do, and then writing your own stuff, you have a lot of things swirling around and you might have six pieces in process at all times. Like I have quite a few things I'm working on right now. That That's part of the lifestyle, isn't it? When you want to really be a successful freelancer? It is. And for me, I'm really finding that balance between writing articles that I get assigned and finding my own clients and building my business. Because I think I'm in a really important phase right now where I need to be 
putting more time into and focus into building the business and networking and getting that relationship going with potential clients and all of the things that you have to do that roll into that entrepreneurial side mm-hmm. and, you know, still be working to make money, you know, getting those mm-hmm. writing gigs and putting focus on that. So that's kind of the balance that I've been, it's, you know, every week is different, but trying to find my flow with, because at the end of the day, it's, I want my business to be hundred percent what's making me money and not necessarily agency work and all of that. But this is all just part of the process and part of what helps me grow and really become a content writer, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and there's, you and I do the same thing, right? We write for ourselves. Like we put pieces out, like I have a blog and um, you have your website and we might throw a piece up on LinkedIn or Medium or something, right? And then we write for agencies, you know, who farm pieces out to us as freelance writers, which is cool. And you've introduced me to a couple, which I'm very grateful for. And then we also nab clients ourselves and have direct relationships with clients. So it's all very different, but it's all very related, of course, because it all revolves around writing. And what are your what do your days look like? I mean, I'm sure some days you have meetings, some days you're recording a podcast with someone like me, or you're just sitting and writing, like really focusing. How do you, like someone listening might be like, I wouldn't even know how to like schedule my day. Like, what do I do? So how do you make that happen? And how do you make sure you have enough structure to make sure your days feel productive? but also making sure you feel like you have some control and also that lovely flexibility we have working from home. How do you, how do you make all that happen for yourself and make it feel fun? You said scheduling your day, which is key scheduling your week, each day of the week. Hmm. Let's say you don't have a PRN job, which I, I technically do still have my PRN job, but I haven't been um, working the vaccine clinic as much because they are they don't, most people are vaccinated at this yeah, point, but let's just say you're a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. So who yeah. quits cold Turkey and you have all this free time and you're trying to figure out what to do. This is where you turn on that type a nurse side that hmm. I think every nurse has, it doesn't just mean ICU nurses, you know, that super schedule oriented, everybody except ER nurses, they might um, not be as into the very strict schedule, but it's just like you would operate, operate your shift where you, you put out every hour of a day and say, okay, I'm going to spend this much time in the morning, just writing. Then I'm going to spend this much time in the before lunch prospecting. I'm going to send cold pitches from this hour to this hour. And then I'm going to spend this amount of time on social media engaging. It's up to you how you want to break it down, but I have found if I do that, if I type out a little Google doc that has each day of the week, what I want to do, what I want to accomplish. And then from there, each hour of each day, you clearly don't have to stick to the schedule, but it's, it, I need a guide like that Mm. to make me feel like I'm getting things done. And so that I can look back and say, okay, this day wasn't wasted because you're going to have days where you're like, what did I just do today? Or what did I do last week? 
because it's just not the same result that you're going to get if you were taking care of a patient. It's totally different. Your patient is your day, basically. Yeah. And you get, you see results. I mean, you see results with this, you know, to a certain level, but with patients, you can see the outcomes of your interventions. Mm -hmm. Whereas with an entrepreneurial venture, sometimes it just feels like a whirlwind of what did I just do? Mm -hmm. Or you have that like, oh, I finished that article and it's pretty solid, right? Um, Yeah, you see it published. And it's exciting. And it's funny, you talking about the way you do your day. My days are so different than that. (laughs) I have like coaching calls, podcast, you know, recordings like this one, preliminary conversations with podcast uh, guests, um, networking calls, um, my own medical appointments and seeing friends or whatever it is I do during the day. And I I actually don't divvy up my day because my days are so choppy. And this last, I'd say 18 months, I've had um, lots of vaccine clinics and COVID testing. So some of my days are super, super choppy. Like I just, you know, I'll sit and write for 30 minutes and then I'll have a call and then I've got to get my scrubs and run to a clinic and then come home and finish an article. So my days are... my calendar versus your Google Doc might look like I have complete like professional attention deficit disorder. Um, but yeah, you're the ER nurse of writers. Maybe so that's an interesting you, statement. <laughs> <laughs> do you try to write an article all in one sitting, or do you? Does it take four different um, sit down sessions to get through uh, it? Alexa, just turn the tables on the interviewer. She's <laughs> now the interviewer. Um, let me see. Um, I very rarely write a piece in one sitting. Um, If it's one of my own blog posts, which is basically like a think piece where I'm just like dashing off ideas and it doesn't involve any research or looking anything up, or maybe it might like just come out like, like it's all done. But generally, like I'm working on a couple pieces now for one of the agencies you and I write for. And it's been like three or four days where I just keep chipping away at a couple pieces. So it all depends. And, um, do you chip away too and kind of you have to work on one and then take a break and then go work on another one? Yes. I've started doing things that way because I'll get really sick of an article if I read over it too much and yes, spend too much time totally. on it. So I'm using, yeah. do you use ClickUp? Um, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Well, you can, you can go ahead and download it. I use it. There's a time tracker and you oh. can, tag it to whatever task you're working on. And I started doing that um, to start tracking how much time I do per article. And sometimes I just won't let myself spend more than an hour on something and then leave it aside, Mm -hmm. work on something else. And then when I go back, you know, the next day, then I'll allow myself to edit a little bit because if I try to edit everything as I'm writing, it just slows me down way too much. So I like kind of doing things in parts and then it just makes you not get so irritated with that article. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I can't look at you anymore. Yeah. I can't read that paragraph again. My God, I'd rather stab myself in the eye. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain point where you're like, I just can't do this anymore. And then there's Mm -hmm. some articles when you're writing and they just like flow. Like, and I'm, I'm thinking back on a piece you wrote when you and I were working together earlier 
It was about um, differences between the East Coast and the West Coast when it comes to nursing. It was really cool. It was really fascinating. And it was really basically just from your personal experience. It wasn't a research-based piece like you and I write a lot of those yeah. too. Are those sorts of things fun just when you're writing, just from your own personal experience? Like this is this is what my life was like and this is what I observed. It's fun. That's what helped me when I was curious about being a nurse writer. I just started doing some brain dumps and just writing whatever was on my mind and just kind of spilling all of that stuff out there. And that helped me enjoy, realize that I enjoyed doing that. And then when I went back and read it, I said, oh, this is really well written. I like this. So, you know, if I'm a reader, I would want to read that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not doing as much of that anymore now because I'm not getting paid to do those mm-hmm. type of things. Yes. Which, you know, it's like my own personal blog is suffering because I, I'm giving attention to the paid writing gigs. And then the other problem that I've found with myself with those type of articles mm-hmm. is I spend way too much time editing. Oh. I'm, you know, and it doesn't matter. It's not like it's published. It doesn't matter if there's a typo mm-hmm. or a poor sentence flow or something, but I'm finding I'm spending too much time trying to make those type of things perfect. So I understand. I understand that. And sometimes we just have to pull the reins back and just like redirect ourselves for a little while. And speaking of, you know, pieces that work and pieces that don't, and when we're, we're in our flow and when we're not, what does failure look like? Like, how have you experienced it and what have you learned? And that could be either as a writer, as a nurse, as a, just as a person, like, how does that manifest for you? I think for me, it was that in-between time where I was looking for my outside-of-the-box nursing job, and I couldn't figure out what that was. Mm. You know, I had gone from pediatric intensive care to, I want to work from home, but I'm not 100% sure what I want to do. And I thought I knew what I wanted to do and tried two different jobs that they just were not a fit. And one of them did not work out. My position was eliminated. And that to me was failure. That was like something that I thought I really wanted. It was just taken away from me really fast. But to me, it was, okay, I needed this failure, which is not a negative thing. It's I needed to have that experience experience to realize that is not what you're meant to be doing. Mm -hmm. So don't force it. Mm -hmm. It's okay. And then after that, I tried another job that again was good, but not extremely exciting and fulfilling. And it was, it is what it is. It was just, it came and went. Yeah. And yeah. So I feel like I experienced a lot of those feelings of, I can't, figure this out, or I tried this and it just didn't work out. And what is wrong with me? But there's nothing wrong with you. It's just trial and error. You know, you don't find your dream job. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. And that self-doubt creeps in and it can rear its head and it can really mess with you. Right. And you've taken on something really, really amazing, you know, quitting cold Turkey, moving across the country with your husband, being closer to your family, 
you know, during, as the pandemic was sort of, you know, shifting, you know, we had kind of shifting sands under our feet and creating your website, which I watched you do and creating all these pieces mm-hmm. and then connecting with some writing agencies and getting gigs and passing some on to me. Thank you so much. And then, you know, landing your own clients and, you know, I'm, I'm assuming there's probably a book in you at some point, don't you think? You got a story? If I can ever get the time, time I have yeah. a, I have a book in you me do, that I, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's if I could ever find the time mm-hmm. and somehow balance this, once I get my business, most things automated and my business working for me and not me working for my business, I want to give that a lot more attention because I just have a lot of funny stories that I want to get out there. You do. And that's, I'm so glad you mentioned that because you are really funny and your, your writing is, can be really pithy. Like you've written some stuff, you know, about the, you know, from the Atlantic, the Pacific, you know, the differencing and differences in nurses and nursing and healthcare. And you, you have this certain, like, you just have this like slight edge and not, it's not sarcastic. It's just, you have this, it's just this, I love the voice that you've created in a lot of your writing, especially stuff you do for yourself. And I think you. your your book is going to be really special and I, I really look forward to reading it. So yes, get going. One day. Yeah, get started. I know. Yeah. How? I guess I need to factor that into that schedule, put it in my Excel spreadsheet right. of to do Yeah, things. I'm going to write my book for 10 minutes with my coffee every morning. And you mentioned automating, you know, once you have the robot, the AI writing all your stuff for you, then you can work on your book and that'll write all your articles Yeah, for you. they're replacing writers anyway, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're a dying breed, right? So yeah. um, in in your your worlds out there, you, you do um, some social media, right? Because you kind of have to, that's part of how you build a business these days is you do Whatever, however, whatever level of social media you care to do, you don't have to do it all. Um, you don't have to do it the way anyone tells you to do, but it's good to have a little bit of a, a presence. So I know you have a little bit of an Instagram presence and Twitter and you're on LinkedIn. So those are the three places where you put your energy in that space, right? Correct. And what do you find you, you do out there? Because people are often curious, like if I'm going to start a business, like what do I have to do? And like, what does it look like for you? And how much time do you spend? I guess maybe that's an important piece based on your, your spreadsheet and your Google doc. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say for Instagram, I'm, I'm putting my focus on there now because I'm trying to gain some trust and just a relationship in general with my ideal clients. Um, so, and I'm, I'm leaning more towards working with wellness coaches and people who have a message they want to get out there to help anybody really, but people who are suffering from burnout and things like that, I want to help them with their website, with writing. So I go on to Instagram and just try to show who I am. And so that people don't think I'm just a robot behind a screen and, and just start being social mm-hmm. and treating it just, you know, like social media, yeah. you know, and not, not be too pushy. And then for LinkedIn, I like to share some of my more professional 
publications and just kind of showcase that um, and to show other other nurses what I'm doing and kind of engage with really, again, any type of nurse, any type of professional who finds what I do interesting. Yeah. And on, um, on Instagram, your articulate underscore RN and then, um, Twitter, your articulate underscore RN and then on LinkedIn, your Alexa Davidson RN. So those are the three places they can find you. And of course the articulate RN.com and, you were recently a guest on the Still a Nurse podcast, which is about nurses who do other out-of-the-box things but are still a nurse, which I think is a great concept. Mm-hmm. And Tristan interviewed you just recently, and now you're on this show. And I think you you have a story to tell, and I think there's a lot of other venues for you to to do that. And are you um, so far? Are you enjoying this process of like figuring out how to how to be in this particular sphere, like here with me and Tristan. Yeah. yeah it's overwhelming in the beginning because mm-hmm. you just don't know where to start mm-hmm. because it's the internet and it's just infinite, yeah. which is so yeah. weird. But once you figure out what even just one platform that you like, just hang out in there and see what, see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to force different things. So I'll, you know, I might get more, active on LinkedIn one week and more active on Instagram another week. Um, Facebook group is coming. I'm going to be doing that soon, but I don't have it built out yet, but yeah, it's just, it can be so overwhelming in the digital space to know where you fit in Mm -hmm. and where to start. So I recommend when you get your business, just lock down all the handles and then you just start chipping away at one at a time and that's a good All idea. Time. Yeah. Like, do I like being a guest on podcasts? And okay, so I do like that. So let me find a couple more to be on. Or no, I'm not really an audio person. Maybe I'm more of a video person. Or maybe I just want to write and do social media. I don't want to be on anything. I don't want to be on audio or video, right? So you have to mm-hmm. find your comfort zones and you're you're in that space of you're still articulating, not to pun, yeah. uh, no pun intended, you know, where where you fall in that where your comfort zone is. And we also can push ourselves beyond it just a tiny bit, right? Just a little bit. Yeah. You'd said video, which brings up a good point. I'm doing a lot more on video than I ever thought I would. I thought writer means you get to hide behind a screen Mm -hmm. and not put yourself out there, but it's a lot more putting yourself out there than I ever realized. Look, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not doing reels and Mm -hmm. all that yet, but I'm on, I had to, I did a YouTube video for indeed. That's right. You did. It was great. I wrote the script for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wrote the script for that. And then they said, well, would you like to film the video? So it's coming from an actual nurse. And then that was my first panic of, Oh no, what I have, have to I be on done? video. <laughs> no, but it's fine. And you did you great. Just, get more comfortable over time. You did great. And that video uh, will be embedded in the show notes so people can watch it. Yeah. You did really well. And you worked with Jennifer Herity over at, um, at Indeed. That was really great. And and before we finish, I want to close with these four questions that I've been asking uh, interviewees uh, guests over these last few episodes. And they're, they're really, they're, they really elucidate or no, they really elicit 
good responses. So my first one is, um, how do you define success? What does it look like for you in your life, as in Alexa's life? Success to me is finding a career or a lifestyle that just allows you to be you. Mm-hmm. And that's everything you and I've been talking about this last hour is quitting the things that don't work, finding the things that do work, leaning into them and just making them happen. Right. And then fine tuning from there. Like you said, lock, lock it down and then figure it out. <laughs> and that's what you're right. doing every day. That's great. Yeah. I, I agree just with you. Yourself. I totally I'm with you on that one. So the next one is how would you describe one person who's inspired you in the course of your life, living or dead? I'd have to choose my grandma on my mom's side. She is still with us and she raised nine children and was mostly a stay-at-home mom. Um, But she is a writer and she has two published books. And now that I'm interested in writing, she sends me a lot more of her work that is short pieces that she's written in word documents over the years. And it's really interesting. I'm learning about what it was like, you know, selling or going to auctions and buying fine China back in the 1960s. So she's very well written and she's, I would say she's articulate. That's really, she's one of the people who has always, you know, said, carry yourself well, hold yourself high and be well-spoken. That's lovely. What's her first name? Phyllis. Phyllis. Oh, that's great. Shout out to Phyllis. All right. (laughs) And now the next one is, is there a book or even a movie, if that hits you more, that's had a major impact on the way you think or the way you live your life? I would say Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he wrote the five agreements, right? Didn't that come next? Yeah. Yeah. And he's got another book that he, I think just came out about, I think it's called We Are All Actors. I read an Mm -hmm. excerpt from it, but I have not read it, but very introspective. And it's always, I'm always looking for books like that, that make you understand more about yourself and how you operate in the world. Yeah. One of the four agreements that means the most to me, I mean, they all have meaning is um, not to take things personally. That's a really hard one. I think it's, for me, it's the hardest one and it's a really good one to work with. (laughs) So that's definitely anybody. Yeah. That's a really good book. Um, And then the last question is what's a piece of advice you'd give 18 year old Alexa at right now, even if you think she might not listen, what would you tell her? Well, 18 year old me, chose to go to nursing school because it sounded like a good major Mm. and that kind of changed the course of my life. So I would say to that 18 year old, go to nursing school and don't be tied down to one thing because you may think your life is going to go a certain way, but it's constantly going to change. And there really is no end goal. It's just all a journey. You don't have to just work up to one thing. It's not, life isn't just about working to be in school to then get this career. It doesn't just end there. Yeah, 
it's just a continuous cycle of change and new opportunities. So just roll Maybe with she'd it. listen. Maybe she would listen. That's Maybe. a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Well, thank you. Those are great. Those are great answers. And this has been lovely and I can't wait to have you back. We'll do this again. Yeah. And again, I want people to go to the articulatorn.com and find you on Instagram and and LinkedIn and Twitter and send you a personalized invitation to connect on LinkedIn, which is always a nice thing that I try to teach people and cajole people to do. And, you know, when you have your book and you're on fresh air with Terry Gross, maybe you'll remember me someday. So <laughs> but we'll, one day. we'll have you back one day. Yeah. So thank you so much, Alexa. You're so great. I'm so glad we're friends and that we can share this writing life together. And, and, um, you're going to do so many amazing things and I can't wait just to sit on the sidelines and watch. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of my journey. Oh, it's my pleasure and privilege. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode. And remember to go to nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 365 to learn all about Alexa Davidson and the Articulate RN. And if you are a healthcare provider or a coach or a company looking for a content writer, please don't look any further than Alexa. Please check her out. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And if you need personalized holistic career coaching, please look no further than nursekeith.com. Mention Alexa and you can get 10% off your first coaching package. And remember, if you want to become a patron, even $2 a month means a lot to help produce the show. That's at patreon.com. The Nurse Keith Show is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network at thehealthpodcastnetwork.com. We are adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting, and Mark Cappy Spiesen is our stalwart social media ringmaster. Before we say goodbye, I'll leave you with this favorite quote of mine by the musician Robert Fripp. May my living honor my parents, and may my living repay the debt of my existence. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico and the inimitable, amazing, my friend, Alexa Davidson saying arrivederci from? Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston, South Carolina. Alexa, I can't wait to come visit you and your husband someday. Thank you to everyone for being here and we will catch you on the proverbial flip side.